0: Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. I also like we are reading together, let us all read from the same Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given, of, he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And these commandments we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to speak to you about no fear in love. Say that with me. no No fear in love. So we've been speaking about this concept of love, and um, that's why we call the anniversary theme the second, and I'm sure by now you have clarity on what that actually means. And we have, we have said a few things already. We have said that love is the fulfillment of the law, uh, because Jesus said in that scripture that the, the law of the, and the prophets are all encompassed in this thing. That he said, which is the first thing is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he said the second is like it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. And that is the the culmination of the law uh, that is fulfilled in love. And you got a bit more clarity on that uh, last last Sunday. Uh, We also said that love is a noun before it is a verb because God is love. And you can see that in verse 16 of that scripture that we read, that God is love. Um, again, um, just using, using my kids as an example because, I mean, this is, I think this is why Paul actually said that a pastor should be the husband of one. Uh, because most of his own illustrations were sports analogies because he didn't have a family. Uh, but when you have a family, that becomes your, <laughs> your, your center of illustrations. They make it so clear to me how that the relationship between God and us is supposed to work. Now, there's something about my kids. They, they know how much we love them. They understand that. They know that there's, there's just so much they can do that can change my mind about them. They understand that. So sometimes I threaten them. Sometimes I will, I will tell them, okay, I'm going to do this. I won't tell you what I, what I tell them I will do because you people are judge, judgmental. You're all judging us. You're like judging the pastor. Uh, you know, I would say something and you will start judging me that, ah, you pastor, you said that. So I will threaten them sometimes and say something and they will actually laugh about it. They will laugh. They will say, ah, oh, daddy, you can't do that. <laughs> no, daddy, you cannot do that. Because they know that I actually I can't do that. Why do they think that I can't do that? Because they understand that I love them. They know how much I love them. They get it. So the, I think the, the major issue with many Christians when it comes to, when it comes to and we, we said that, you know, when, when, when we say it's a noun before it's a verb, it means that you have to have a relationship with God. First, before you can, you can display love to other people, before you can even get rid of the fear of God. Now, I'm not saying the fear of God in the awe of God. I'm talking about when you, you want, people want to approach God and they're afraid of God. Uh-huh. So, to, to get rid of that, you need to understand the love that God has for you. You need to understand that that love is deeper and is stronger than anything that you can ever do. See, let me just say it up front. Huh? This is where we're going, but I'll tell you ahead of time. Look, there is nothing, you can write this down, there is nothing that you have done or that you will ever do that will make God stop loving you. Did you hear what I said? There is absolutely nothing. That's one, you have to have it on lockdown. Like, it has to be so clear to you that there is absolutely nothing I can do that can make God change, my mind, change his mind about me. To say, okay, now because of this that you have done, I disown you. No, no, no. It's your earthly father that behaves that way. God doesn't behave that way. God doesn't behave that way. He doesn't disown his children. So we're going to talk about that and we'll get into it and start to see how we can can begin to comprehend this love in such a way that we can now display it to other people. Because we cannot show love until we encounter the love of God. So a few things to go over that we have already mentioned. We've said that laying down your life for your friends is literally talking about laying down your rights. The things that you should ordinarily be entitled to, you choose to put other people ahead of you. You choose to say, instead of making this all about me, I will make it all about other people instead of myself. And then number two, just to to clarify it and add a little bit to that, we do unto other people as we will have them do unto us. The way that that's in Matthew chapter 7 verse, verse 12, you can give us that. We do unto other people how we want them to, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophet so it's, it's just simplifying this issue of love to us to make us understand that when we say love your neighbor as yourself what we are saying is anything you don't want people to do to you don't do it to anybody else the way the, the way you want to be received when you go somewhere that's the way you should receive people the way you want to be treated the way you want to be you want to be spoken to and of course there are times when you know because of our emotions, we can get carried away, you know, sometimes. But when you get carried away, you, you fix it as quickly as you can to make sure that you are not leaving people feeling less of themselves or feeling less of how God thinks of them. This is very vital, all right? And then number three is that there is no fear in love, and that's what I want to dwell on today. There is no fear in love. So I'll give you three points under this, and I'll try to make it as quickly as quick as possible. Just three quick thoughts. Number one, there is no fear towards God. And this is what I started with when I started to talk about my, my kids. That when we truly understand God's love, we lose our fear of divine judgment. There are many, many, too many Christians that are living under the, the fear of a looming judgment. Look, the looming judgment is coming for the world, not for you. Not for you. You, as a child of God, have to understand that when they say the day of judgment, that is the day of your of your celebration, that is the day of your reward. That's what you need to understand. So there's no fear of judgment. Let's look at it in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the Amplified version for this just so that you can see it clearly. First John 4, verse 18 in the Amplified Bible. Look at what it says. There is no fear in love. It says dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. This is how you know that your love is maturing. It drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So this is the first fear he's talking about. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love. In other words, he has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. It doesn't get simpler than this. So he's saying that if you find somebody who is afraid of God's judgment, the reason is the person has not yet come into a full understanding of God's love. He hasn't come to the place where he fully understands that God loves me beyond what, you know, any, any shortcoming in my life. Look, and I'm not saying, of course, you know around here that we, we, we teach balance. And I'll get to that. But I want you to have, look, the, the, the fact that there is, there is a fake dollar bill, right, does not mean that. In fact, the fact that there is a fake dollar bill is a validation of the fact that there's an original somewhere. So if you see a counterfeit of anything, What it should tell you is that there is an original version of this thing somewhere. So if we say that, you know what the the gospel is, and and we'll get to it this month in Edify. We're going to be talking about the balance of grace and faith. The the issue is this. You see, in the grace of God and the love of God, it is almost too good to be true. If we're going to teach it exactly the way the Bible says it, it is actually almost too good to be true. That's one of the definitions of gospel. It is too good to be true news that you hear it and say, "Ah, no, it can't be this simple. That I've, I've sinned so much, I've committed all this unrighteousness, then all I have to do is say a simple prayer and God will forgive all my sins. What do you mean? Like, no, there has to be some kind of punishment. No, Jesus took that punishment. That's what we are saying. That he took that punishment. He took it. And if he took it, you don't have it. There's only one punishment. So is it that that punishment has been taken or it's still there? So if he paid the price for your sins, then your sins no longer exist. Say amen to that. Amen. This, is, this is so critical, guys. This is a vital understanding. Then any other thing you want to put, you can put that on top of it. But if the love of God is not the foundation of your Christianity, you, you will be living in fear of divine judgment. Fear of divine judgment. That everything, all you have to do, if you, if you miss, like yesterday we were here, and because the men, they were doing anyhow... You know, when the first one came, he was talking to me. I just said, Leave me alone, just go away. Because I was very upset. But after I, I had to repent to God, and I used to find a way to talk to him to make sure that we're at peace before we left here. Because you can't, look, this is Christianity. You cannot be carrying, you know, and then you now, you now start carrying guilt of little things that you do. You, 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 you told a lie to somebody, all right? And then, look, the fact that you thought about it and you, you realized that, ah, what well, that thing I said was not correct, just repent. Repent of it and move on. It's not for you to, to stay on that and say ah. I'm, so the next day now when you come to church and say let's lift up holy ah, hands, no, and you say let's sing and I say ah this mouth that this mouth that is lying like this it's not no, no 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 that's that's not Christianity. You need to understand that that's the reason why Jesus paid that price. That there's too much of this thing and you heard Peter talking about this that there's too much to worry about when it comes to sin and the law. It's not just the Ten Commandments. It's not, there are over six hundred of them. Uh-huh. If you want to really go, we'll, we'll talk about it in edify. We, we want to really go into the law. It's not just the Ten Commandments. There, there's are different kinds of law. <laughs> so, if you really want to start, do you know that right now you should be keeping beards, just like UG like this. You should have beards. You should not be able to shave your beards right now as we are speaking. You should not. It's in the law. <laughs> it's there. You can't have tattoo. You can't. You, you can't do all those things. No. So even if you have you have the one that you know you know. Let me not get into this thing because if I get into it, it will be. You know that. Um, before this Oyebo version of tattoos that we are doing now, huh, there was the one that our... My grandmother had tattoo. Yeah, she did. So, because that was the way that they identified themselves and where they were from. See, let's not get... I will preach. If I get into that, I will just be going. Let's look at what Paul said in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14 to 19. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart's true faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, when you comprehend the love of God, you will understand that God is not against you. He is for you. When you get into any situation, your first mode of operation will not be that I have to first, you know, cancel all the bad, bad things that I've done by doing some good, good things. No, no, but you understand that God is for you. He is always for you. He is never against you. So we may, we may, You know, we may hear this, like I was saying, and and i say, okay, so what does this mean? Does this mean that, you know, I can just go ahead and do anything I like? Look, this is where there is a a balance in the gospel. There, There are two things on two sides, and I've taught this before at Edify. There are two edges of the ditch. You know, if you get into legalism, you are going to become a Pharisee, which is that everything that you are now looking out for what people are doing that is wrong, rather than loving on people. That's, that's one end of the extreme. The other end of the extreme is that people now get into liberality, which is that not the biblical one now, which is that you just, you just feel like, okay, because Christ has, has made us free now. Uh, actually, the, the theme um, for the next month, the, the series, is, is freedom in Christ. That's what we want to talk about. That because now we are now made free in Christ, I can just do anything I like. I can, I can now deliberately sin. That's not what we're saying. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We are saying that you, if you sin, that's what Jesus said. He said, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. The truth is, when you get into the love of God, huh, and you truly understand what Paul is saying here, to know the depths, the height, the breadth of it, sin will be far from your life. I am telling you that sin will be far from your life because that love will compel you so much to say, I don't want to do anything that will tamper with this love that I have for God. That is the whole idea, and that's the point that we have to get to, to come into the full understanding of that love. That's why this is a prayer that Paul was saying, and we must be praying this prayer every day to say, if you know that you are not yet at that point, what well, I'm saying, you are not yet there, you don't, you are not, this is the prayer you should be praying, to say, God, I want to understand the depth of your love. I want to know how much you love me, that, that my, my kids are growing up, and they are doing things. Look, this little one kept us up yesterday till 3 a.m., he refused to sleep. Like, in fact, at the point, I had to get up from the bed, and I, I started doing other things that I could have done this morning, just to, to pass the time. And he was there with me, hanging out with me, just refusing to sleep. I was so mad that what is wrong with you? Like, what is the problem? But that does not mean that because he did that this morning, I will now say, "Take, take your child. I'm not. I'm not like no. If I do that, you would think I'm a childish father. Yeah, that's what you would think. You think what's wrong with you? Because this guy is a child." That's, what are we to God? We're children of God. So when God looks at us, he's not looking at us and saying, I expect more from you because you are, no, 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 you are mature. Even if you get to the full uh, stature and, and measure of Christ, you will have you'll be in heaven by the, on the right hand of the Father. As far as you are here, you are still a child. You are still growing, you are still maturing. So God is looking at you and saying, yeah, you have come a long way. from this. So when he gets to a certain age now, I will expect better of him. For example, I cannot expect my first son, Femidara, to do what he did yesterday. Because me and Femidara can have a conversation. Aha, I can tell him that, dude, this thing you are doing will have consequences in the future. And he will adjust himself. But at this level, I can't expect that of him. That's just the same way it is. So God is not looking at you and he's just picking out all your faults. No, no, no. All he wants is, he wants your relationship with him to be genuine, to be authentic. Your love for him to be genuine. And when you get to the point where you fully understand it and you comprehend that love, there's nothing anybody will say that will move you or shake you away from it. Say amen to that. All right, so let's keep going here. So the balance, what I was saying is that we don't, we don't um, like yesterday I was at a, a minister's conference and this was, this was one of the, the bone of contention as it were, right? That, you know, can we, how do we love on people without, um, without tolerating or permitting them to do the, the, the bad lifestyle that they have? Or people have made choices, say, okay, uh, this is how you were born or you now choose that this is how you want to be called or whatever it is. How do we balance what the Bible says Uh, and what, and people's lifestyle. Somebody said something that was very instructive as an answer to the question, in the midst of all these ministers. And the person said something. He said, you see, my philosophy is that you need to catch a fish before you clean it. Can you clean a fish without catching it? Uh So if you want to try, go and try it. If you want to try to catch the fish, to clean the fish first before you catch it, you'll be there forever and ever, forever and ever, till Jesus returns, you'll be there. (laughs) So the first thing is, you need to catch the fish first. When, they, when people come to the point where they, they understand that God loves you, this is why, you know, I talk about it sometimes, that uh, sometimes when we, we teach this, you know, love of God, um, without the other side of the responsibility, it can be very dangerous. So there's a balance to it. But the beginning point is still the love of God. That is still the starting point. It's the love of God that will draw people in to God first. So that that becomes the foundation of their faith. So anything else that you are teaching them later on to say, okay, as a Christian, you now have a responsibility to, to, to love God, to love other people, to study your Bible, to do all those things. They are doing it because of the love of God. Not that Christianity, because now what it has become is that Christianity to the outside world now looks like, when you talk about the Bible, this is why it's so hard to, to, to communicate the gospel to people, to preach to people, is that when they hear Bible or they hear church, all they think about are rules. That's all they hear. So, when you say church, the minute you say Bible, uh, ah, Bible. That's why you see that they use Bible as a metaphor when they are talking of other things. And they say, this is the Bible for this. They are saying, this is the rule book for this, because that's how they see the Bible. So, we have a responsibility as children of God to, to make people understand that no, 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 the first thing is that God loves you. Out of that love, if you were talking in the Old Testament, that's a different thing, it would have been perfect. It's a rule book. It's as simple as that. If it's just the Old Testament you're talking about. But because of what Jesus did, it has changed the dynamics of Christianity. It has changed everything. So now the approach is God loves you. God is not looking for the death of any sinner. He's not. He's not interested in it. It doesn't add anything to him for, to say that people, people went to hell. That doesn't contribute anything to God. It's only the devil that is happy that people are going to hell. Because he knows that that is his own eternal destination. So he wants to drag as many people as, as possible with him. So, God is not interested in death of anybody. What God wants is that somebody comes to understand that, okay, I'm a sinner. This thing I'm doing, my lifestyle, I'm far away from God. I need to come back to God. That's all God is interested in. So, how do you do it? Look, you have to be able, as a, as a Christian, to separate people from their choices. To, to literally look at a person and say, okay, this is what this person is calling themselves. Huh? And to be able to look beyond that and look as though you are looking with the eyes of God to look at people. Because when God looks at people, he's not looking at their sin. Just like you now. Because you have, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When God looks from heaven and looks at you, he sees Jesus. It's not you that he sees. So we have to be able to look beyond that and say, okay, look at this person from what they can be. And what God has actually created them to be. Not who they are saying that they are. So you can separate that. It's not that you now start running away from people. Say, okay, because this person always dresses like this, I'm going to stay away from them. No, 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 no. How are you ever going to be the salt if you keep running away from people? How? So you can't tell me now that at your, at your stage of, of maturity in the faith, that somebody who is dressed somehow, because you are interacting with them, they will change you and you two will now say, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a boy, I want to be a girl. Then that means we have to check your own foundation too. Do you get what I'm saying? We have to check your own foundation too. So that's why I'm saying that the, the foundation is the love of God. When you are rooted and grounded in that, there's nothing that will shake you. Nothing. It says, who, who will separate us from the love of God? So accept that you are not yet rooted in that love. So the first point is you need to start to pray about that. To say, God, I want to be rooted in the love of God. I want to be rooted in the love of God. So separate people from their choices. Love on people without approving or celebrating their own biblical choices. You have a responsibility to love on people. But you don't have to celebrate. They know me very well. Those are my friends who have all these things. I'm not... And please, again, let me just tell you, as a member of this church, don't let anybody call you names. Don't let anybody call you Omo, whatever, or whatever, because you don't... Don't, don't take it. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't take it. You are not that label. That's their, their... They use that to blackmail people into celebrating their lifestyle. So don't do it. Don't join that thing. They call you that. That's their... I'm, I'm not... Look. And you have to show it with your lifestyle. You have to show it that you are not... Intolerant of people. But intolerant does not mean celebrating people who are making wrong choices. For instance, um, somebody, is, somebody is, is getting married and they ask you now, they say, uh, oh, I'm getting married to, to and, they, and they want you to, to put it on your social media or celebrate them and say, you know, what about that? And they are marrying same sex. I, I, I don't do that. I will not do that. Do you understand? It doesn't mean that if you are talking to me, and you're saying, my spouse says, I will call the, the people in my work that have partners that are the same Say, I call them what they want to be called. That your partner, your whatever. I won't, but if I want to talk about my own wife, I, I emphasize it. My wife. So that they know that this is me. Uh-huh. This is me. Do you get? So, it's not that you are, you are now, you, they are talking about it and you are now avoiding conversations or you are just being all spooky and all weird. I even now look at you and say, all these Christians are just weird, <laughs> you know? I don't want to have conversations about Do you get? Or you know, because you know that somebody, you know, says they, are, they, are, they were born a boy, they are now a girl, then you start avoiding the person. No, 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 no. The, that person actually needs more of your love and attention than the other people. So, you show them that regardless of what your choice is, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one you know, I'm not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to show you. I will use the love of God to show you. You heard that example that he you gave. You, I will use the love of God to show you what, what you are doing wrong. But it is the word of God and the love of God that will do that. It's not us. That's not our job. So our job is to love on people. Our job is to, is to, to take people in. Take people in. Let them be whatever they want. That's, that's okay. Look, it is because when people know better, they act better. I'm telling you, when people know better they act better. People are only acting on what they know. That's why the devil is using this strategy of trying to reach reach out to young children because he wants to indoctrinate them from from early on to make them think that, okay, this thing is actually acceptable. The reason why you think it's not acceptable is because you know better. You were taught different. (laughs) You didn't grow up that way, so you know that this thing is not okay. But any child, just like my young son now, look at him with his mom's phone. If you tell him now that there was a time when to make a phone, a phone call, you need to go to a phone booth and line up, like when I was in high school, and actually ring the number like this, ring it like this, and if you miss it, you have to start all over again with your phone card. Do you think he will believe you? He won't believe you. That's the same thing. Even as I'm saying that some of you can't relate because you are of a different generation. <laughs> so you're saying, what? what's he talking about? <laughs> yeah, so that's how it will sound. When they class saying, do you know that man and woman is the, is the ideal marriage? You say, eh? No. you mean woman, woman cannot marry because they they don't know that, and that's exactly what the devil is trying to do to indoctrinate people. So you have to have this understanding and be able to accept people for what they are, whatever they do, right? But don't you are not obligated to celebrate anybody. You are not. You are not under any obligation whatsoever. So so for me, they they already know. I'm not going to you know have that conversation and be playing that game and say oh no no no. If somebody comes now, it's just like coming now and say say come I'm a whatever, I'm a, I'm a man, I want to marry a man. They now come and I say, come, on, come and marry me. I would rather leave the ministry. I'm telling you, I would rather leave what? I'm, I'm telling you this honestly. I would rather leave the ministry. If they want to revoke license or, you know, take, I would rather do that <coughs> than say, because that is, that is approval. That's a seal of approval. Uh-huh. But that somebody comes to church who is, you know, sitting down and they say, oh, we are yeah, welcome here. But that does not mean that I will not teach what the Bible says. Because the word of God is a mirror. So, if the Word of God, if I'm I'm talking, I hit on something that concerns you, and you get upset, and you walk out of the church, that's what the Word of God is supposed to do. Oh, are you guys with me this morning? That's exactly what the Word of God is supposed to do. If somebody never gets upset about what you are saying, you are not saying the truth. Because the truth is supposed to hit you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable sometimes. And you have two choices. You can either stand up and walk out on the truth and say, ah, this is too much. Or you check your heart and say, okay, I'm confronted with the truth now. What do I do about this? Because the word of God is supposed to change us. It's not supposed to pamper our lives and make it, you know, make, make we're now making the word of God conform to our lifestyle. No, no, no. It's supposed to be the other way around. Supposed, that you look at God's word. It says something that, that is contrary to how your life is. You adjust your life to fit it. Say amen to this, please. Amen. I hope I'm making sense this morning. I'm just trying to preach in a very different way today and not, you know, follow my notes too much, all right? So we have said... You don't have fear towards God. Number two, you don't have any fear towards men. No fear whatsoever towards men. If you love your neighbor, you will, do any, you will not do anything that promotes fear or torment. You know, you will not get into this thing. And, and that leads me to, you know, what's going to happen later on today, in case you don't know. Today in, in North America and some other parts of the world is, um, is something called Halloween. Okay? Tomorrow? Okay. Thank God I will not even be around sir. So, tomorrow. You know, some people are doing it today because some people died in one part of the world. Yeah, some people died. They died. They they, they trampled upon themselves. Like, almost 12 people died. Because Satan will collect 20. 120. 120. Okay. Okay, okay. Me, I saw the very first report. So, they were still counting then. So, he said 12. So, 120 people have died. You see that Satan will collect his share. You cannot be doing birthday of Satan and he will not collect his his donation. He will collect it. And this is how you, you need to be very careful with things like this because when you talk this way, you sound like, ah, what are, you, what are you saying? Like, ah, why is it so, does it have to be so hard? You will need to look beyond the surface and understand what the scripture says. Look, anything that you are doing, that is, it says there's no fear in love. It means that anything that you are doing, that is promoting any kind of fear in anybody, anybody else, your neighbor is promoting fear in any way. It's not of God. Period. Period. It is not of God. Look, my kids are not grown. They are little kids. They were in the car with us one day. We were driving out of the house. They saw somebody's house Halloween decoration. I have not told them anything about whether Halloween is good or bad. They know that there's no, we don't do trick-or-treating. Any treat you want, I will give you inside the house. <laughs> you want chocolate, you will, you will choke on chocolate inside the house. you are not going to anybody's house to go and treat or trick any, any stupidity. So they were in the car with us, and we were hearing them. My wife and I were in the front. They were saying it at the back. Say, look at that. They were talking about Halloween decoration. Say, said, it's disgusting. <laughs> These are boys, kids. So imagine that. So, and you can already see that they, are, they, they have this, you know, repulsion. It's a natural thing towards fear. You have that. So, why would you now tolerate that in your own house? You now, you now, in front of your yard, you now make tombstones. Then, in the future, your family starts dying one after the other. Then you wonder why. Then you wonder why. Because you have opened the door to Satan. You have opened the door. You have literally given him a, a leeway into you. So, if you want, to, you want to do your own, you just feel like, ah, this Halloween, I cannot help myself. I must do it. Dress like me now, like, like a man of God. <laughs> Wear collar and be going about every day. As, and be preaching as you are going, be preaching to people. Do, do it in a way that, that makes people understand that this is who me, I am. If you are so desperate to celebrate Halloween. Because I know that there can be a lot of peer pressure. There can be a lot of peer pressure. Especially when you are, you are in college or you are in high school level, all of that. But the, the, the goal is you want to stand out, right? Then do that and stand out in that way. Like the pastor yesterday was saying that his, 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 um, his son wants to dress up as a farmer as his own way of, as his own entry point. Because that will get attention. And people will start asking questions, why are you dressed as a farmer? And then we'll use it to connect with the gospel. The sower sows the word. And that's his entry point. I'm telling you this practically. So it's not all, I'm not saying it's all you know, all bad. Don't even do anything. No, 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 Look, for us, we are at that point where we have, we have created some guardrails around our own lives. Not everybody's at that point. Some people have no choice. They have to send their children to public schools or they have to do all of that. But you have to be conscious to make sure that you are not... Being, you know, by tolerating the culture that we have around us, you are now celebrating it. Where is your own house now that we will get to. And we'll be seeing cobwebs on your house. And ghosts and skull on the door. I will not come back to your house. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you now. I'm not coming back. <laughs> okay? Because I'm not going to cross his skull. Because when it happens, it is me, you will phone. I say, Pastor, come and pray for us. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to make it light, but I hope you get the message, all right? So these things are, they are little things, but you cannot, anything that promotes fear, anything that, you know, that makes people on the edge, that's not of God, it is not of God. So finally, no fear in love means we are not afraid of being witnesses. And this is the last one that I want to talk about. No fear in love means that if you really love enough, the way we are talking about it, you are, you, you, the love of God will compel you to be a witness for him. Because of my, my, my law enforcement um, um, training, there is, see, there is this idea that one of the major reasons why people don't get prosecuted a lot around here is that people are afraid to testify against people. So, so if, if, uh, if you commit an offense now, let's, say, let's just take a basic one, like maybe you committed a traffic offense, or DUI, or you were drinking and driving. Somebody has to be able to testify against you for you to be properly prosecuted. Otherwise, it will not, it will not go through so a human being has to be able to come and say i saw this guy when he was doing this but many people don't want to do that so most cases get thrown away because when it gets to that point somebody has to stand at the witness point and say yeah i saw him but you are standing the person that they accused is standing right there and you are here and you are looking at him and say yeah i saw him do you do you think that what the what the people think is that if this guy mistakenly does not end up in jail i still have to deal with him the police will not be with me every day So I still have to deal with this guy, (laughs) knowing where I live, knowing my place. So most people just at that point, it is those who have signed, you know, you that have signed, that whatever, I will send you to jail, whatever happens, me and you, we are going down. Those are the ones that stand and testify against people. And it's the same with with the faith. Many people don't want to stand and testify for Jesus. They don't want to do it because they feel that they still have a stake in the world that they want to hold on to. Ah, they say, ah, I don't want to be all out for Jesus. It's just like when people say, I'm coming out as this or that. You have to come out as a Christian. You have to. People say, I'm coming out as this, I'm coming out as that. I want to ask, have you come out as a Christian? First of all, have you come out as a Christian? That everybody knows that this is who you are. So you have to be able to stand at the witness, stand for Jesus and say, I'm a witness to this. Like what the apostles were saying. That which we have seen and heard. That which our hands have handled. That's what we are testifying to. So it's it's all about your own witness. You don't have to share any other person's witness. It is your own. What is your own testimony? What is your story? What is your, I was blind but now I see? That's all you need to share. You don't have to go into theology. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to try to start from Adam and Eve. How, you know, the concept of sin. Or how God, you know, made the world. No, 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 no. Start from Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Start from Jesus and him crucified. The love of God for man. That's all. That's all you need to do. And if they ask you any question that you cannot answer, there's nothing wrong in saying I don't know the answer to that. Come to church and ask my pastor. Leave that job to me. Leave that job to me. Let the person show up in church and I've ask their questions after, the, after church. I will make out time to answer their questions. That's why I went to school, to study theology. So it's not your job to do that. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? So let's, let's, let's just understand that this thing is very simple. The least you can do is to say, if you have any questions about the faith, you know, come to my church. We gather on, on Sunday mornings, you know, and we, we, we talk about the Bible or on Wednesday nights. You can come for any of those meetings and my pastor will be able to answer your questions. That's all you need to do. Right? But we have to, we, we must not be Christians that are, that, are, that are afraid of our weakness. No, beyond even growing church or, you know, multiplying our number or whatever, this is our primary assignment as Christians, is that we are reaching out to the lost around us. We are reaching out to people and we are doing it by building authentic relationships. So, look, nobody wants to be your evangelism project. I told you guys this morning, nobody likes that. So you don't, you don't just knock on people's door. Like the pastor yesterday at the minister's conference was talking about how one, one, one particular family, this was many years ago, he, he, said, he said himself that he, he won't even do that now, but they will call police. So he used to go to their house every day to knock on their door. As he knocks on the door, they will, he will see them from the window, opening the window like this, and they will not open the door. And he will knock and knock and knock, then he will go. He tried for three different weeks. Then the third week, he came. And they finally opened the door. Maybe the, the father was not around and the mother was the one and they shall opened the door for him. So he entered. That he, and somehow as he entered the house, the Holy Spirit just told him, don't talk about the Bible. Don't say anything about Jesus. Don't say anything. And he was thinking in his mind that, ah, but that's why I'm here. And this is the Holy Spirit telling him that. So, so you know sometimes we are very spiritual. We are very spiritual. We think that, you know, when, when the Spirit told Paul, don't go to this particular place, uh-huh. So he said, okay, so he started gisting with them. He just started talking about the neighborhood, about the community, about the weather, about everything. He said, ah, this neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. And they gisted they for almost one hour. They were just talking. And I was asking them questions, listening to them more than he was talking. So after some time, they said, ah, the man just said, do you know, I thought that you were one of these people that want to make me their evangelism project. He said that was the first time he heard that concept. <laughs> that somebody actually, he said, yeah, because there are all these people, they call themselves, I don't want to mention their denomination, I'm sure you know them. They want to give me literature all the time. They want to come and wake me up at 9 a.m. in the morning. They just want to give me literature to read and that. So that's why when I see you, I don't But you're a nice guy. I like you, you're a nice guy. He said, it didn't take three weeks, they were in church. They were the ones asking him that what church do you attend? Because it's not that they didn't know he was a Christian, but they just wanted to know that this dude was genuine, was sincere. He wanted to have a relationship with them, not just invite you to my church. You know, and then when they show up in church, you just fashion them, like, mm, they have come, let's look for the next one. No, 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 we're saying build authentic relationships. Don't isolate yourself. Don't be, you know, just be, be in your corner. You're not, you are, you are not reaching out to anybody. Nobody knows your name, nobody knows who you are. No, 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 build authentic relationships. Out of those relationships is where God will lead you to people that you can talk to about Jesus, that you can, you know, now invite for, for things to church and all of those kind of things, all right? This is very, very important. And to achieve this, Proverbs 28 verse 1 speaks about this. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Proverbs 28 verse 1. The righteous are bold as a lion. So just like those people that refuse to testify against people, we we let Satan go scot-free with what he's doing in the lives of people if we don't testify. That's what we do. Just like somebody has committed an offense and you refuse to testify against him... That's what you are doing. You are letting Satan go scot-free. You know, Satan can spend many years building, building things in the life of people, bondage in the lives of families. And if we don't testify that there is a Jesus who died and rose again and set people free from all those things, they will never know. They will never know. They will hang on to those things and be claim, laying claim to them. My, my depression, my family anxiety. My, have you heard those things before? Yeah, people, and people own those things. They own it. And, and, and you have to know that this is the work of Satan. And there is Jesus who is able to set them free from all of those things. Say amen to that. Amen. So the boldness to preach the gospel comes from the Holy Spirit. We love people too, too much to be timid about sharing our faith. That boldness that we're talking about comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gives that boldness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. There are many times that I want to, I want to talk to somebody about Jesus. I have to spend some time praying in the Spirit first. Because the Bible says, he that speaks in unknown tongues emboldens himself. Emboldens himself. It's not always easy. It's not all the time that, you, in fact, sometimes I will look for the conversation starter for so long that the opportunity will pass. Like one time I was in the, I was in, I was at Walmart. I was in the parking lot. And I was coming out. There was, this is very recent, like two or three days ago. One, one young lady was coming in a, in, a, in a car. I just parked behind me. And the Holy Spirit said, that is, that, that, you know, there's a way that the Spirit of God lets you know when people are ripe for the gospel right? And I said, okay, I'll quickly go and drop the things that I'm carrying but I don't look weird, right? And maybe pick a flyer in the car and go back and go and talk to her. So I went and I dropped the things in the car. I picked the flyer. And as I get back, I searched the entire parking lot. I didn't find this person. Like, I looked everywhere. Because as I was there with the car, I, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, what's the best? What's the best? You know, sometimes you just have to go in faith and let the Holy Spirit do the talking. If I had done that that day, I won't miss the opportunity. Because I was there programming in my head. Oh, what would be the best thing to say now? Oh, how can I... Where are you from? Ah, that's too common. Everybody knows that. Ah, what will I say? Ah, the weather is not bad today. I can't use the weather. I, I was analyzing. I couldn't find the, the lady again. She had gone. She had, and it was like, maybe, you know, and these things are very, very real. You have to be very, very watchful. Because that might be the last opportunity that that person has to actually hear the gospel. That might literally be the last chance, the last opportunity. Like the one, that, uh, one example that, that PK shared. I don't want to go, to go into it because I don't have the full details. But it was, it was just as simple as this, that it was, it was somebody God was leading him to speak to, and the person ended up in an accident. You hear those things and you think it's not, it doesn't happen. It, it, it still happens. You know, so we have to be very, very watchful, very, very alert. So don't think of this as a church growth strategy. No, this is our assignment as Christians. This is what God has sent us to do. And our assignment is to lead people to Jesus, to make them more like him, and see them lead others to him. But we have to lead them to Jesus first. That is the beginning point. All right? Are you still here? Okay. All right. Acts chapter 1. I'm just checking. Make sure you're still awake. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what is the first sign of the Holy Spirit? What's the first sign? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what's the first sign? Oh, I thought, I thought you were supposed to receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Is that not what, what we say? That you receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The first evidence of the Holy Spirit is witnessing. Is, the, is witnessing. That you will be a witness unto me. The power that the Holy Spirit gives us is to embolden us to be witnesses unto him. That is the first sign. So I, I want to ask you, have you received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of witnessing to others? Have you received those people with the evidence? Because you can, you can, it, it, you can receive tongues, but the, the, all of those things are supposed to empower you. They are supposed to enable you. They are supposed to embolden you to actually go and do the work. And I'm not saying that this stuff is always going to be easy. I just give you my own example. Like there are so many examples I can give you. Even before we started this church, where I will literally be going somewhere, those people say, "Pack your car," and I will stand and stand and stand until I see somebody that I can preach to. So I've done this over and over, and I told you, I've told you my, my story from even from Nigeria, where I'll be preaching in buses. So this is stuff that I've done. I've done morning cry, go out in the morning, be screaming on the top of my lungs, you know, and be screaming the gospel as, as loud as I can. So I, I've done all these different things. So it's not, I'm not telling you to do stuff that I've not done, and it's stuff that I'm still doing. So this is something that every single one of us are called to. Every one of us are called to this. So please, as you go about your day, and this is the, this is the whole idea of when it says... Um, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I've taught this before, that that expression go in the, in the original is actually as you go. As you go. So it's not saying that every day you just wake up with the sole purpose of preaching the gospel. But it's saying as you go about your life, as you go about your life, this is where the concept of lifestyle evangelism comes from. As you go about your life, make sure that you are looking out for opportunities to preach the gospel. You are looking out for opportunities to build relationships. Until the Spirit of God prompts you that somebody is ripe for the gospel, your job is just to be building relationships until the door opens, until somebody, somebody tells you, oh, you know, I've been dealing with this thing. I don't know what to do about it. That's an entry point. Can I pray for you? Right? Can I pray for you? Can I, can I give you something to read? You know, do you mind this? You, that's, that's where the starting point is, but we have to build those relationships. All right? Are you guys with me this morning? Okay, you are looking at me well, you are smiling, but you are not responding with your, with your mouth. So I just want to be sure that you are awake. All right, let's bow our heads and pray and talk to God and ask God for strength. Let's ask him for strength. Let's ask him for grace to be able to do this. Let's ask for strength and grace to be able to do this. Let's, let's make a renewed commitment this morning, whether you are in the room or you are online. Make a renewed commitment to God to say, Father, I'm going to give my attention to this because this is what is at your heart. I'm going to give my attention to this. If you are in the room this morning or you are watching us online, you have not at any point made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or you have done so or you are, and you have, you have gone back a little bit on this decision. You want to renew your commitment to Jesus this morning or you want to make this decision for the first time. I want to see you wherever you are. If you, if you are in the house this morning, just lift up your hand. And if you are online, lift up your hand with us too. Everybody will say this prayer with you so you don't have to be ashamed or afraid. I just want to make sure that I'm praying for you. If you are there, everybody, let's say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that God sent you to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth that you were raised to life again on the third day. I accept you into my life today as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life and do something with it. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive you into my life today. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this message this morning. We give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you because indeed there is no fear in love. We, we, we know how much you love us. Therefore, we have no fear of judgment. And we have no fear whatsoever of men. We have no fear of being witnesses for you. We receive an enablement this morning afresh to go after the one in our sphere of influence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let your name be glorified to us. In Jesus' name, Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.